This is a Heel Turn Collective production. You cannot counter-program the love, the genuine feeling, the damn revolution that is all elite wrestling! This is one with the undercard, all elite edition. Welcome on in to episode number four of One with the Undercard, All Elite Edition, where me and my boy Jay Johnson break down AEW Dynamite every single week. Jay, how's your week been? You know what? I'm doing all right, Lance. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Uh, I'm, excited to, I'm excited to dive into this week's uh, edition of Dynamite. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. For anyone just joining us, you'll know that uh, me and Jay are big time AEW marks. We don't we don't mess with any other promotions here. I mean, we kind of dabble a little bit in it, but this is all elite wrestling all the time, baby. All elite all the time. All elite all the time is all we're talking about here. And and we're not going to waste any more time. Let's just jump right into it and start the episode like we do every single week, breaking down the ratings that, depending on who you are, matter or don't matter. Um, I just like to kind of take a look at it and kind of see where we're sitting at as far as those go. AEW wins another week. They have they come in at 772,000 when NXT had 746,000. Jay, when you hear numbers like that, what is your initial impression? Do you think that ratings matter as much as they did back in the 1990s? Uh, I think that ratings are... I think ratings are a flawed way to gather information because nobody's tracking my TV. Yeah, uh, well, everybody's TV is being tracked. Jay. Well, I don't, okay. don't want to break any. I don't so the break FBI man currently listening. Hey, how are you? Uh, but no, nobody's recording whether or not I'm watching AEW, uh, whether that be live or within 24 hours after. I do, however, think it's important to note that AEW ranked eighth in all of television for its uh for its time spot yes they didn't uh nxt came in 25th which is respectable you know you're 25th like that's you could be completely off the map you know so i yeah i think i think nxt gets a lot of uh gets a lot of dirt kind of shoveled on them you know because everybody just assumes it's a vince mcmahon product which which it is uh, to a point, you know, but but is Triple H's baby, and um, I think they get a lot of, I think they get a lot of um, unjustified heat because Vince McMahon's kind of attached to it, and then you have this counterculture of wrestling fans like me and Jay who just gravitate naturally towards AEW and everything they have going on. No, no retort there, Jay. What's going on? Oh, I got nothing, man. I'm I'm just listening to you. I'm ready to talk um, about I'm ready to talk about the first match of the night. Unbelievable. But yes, uh AEW Dynamite took place this week on 617, which uh for you marking the calendars was last evening. And uh yep, so I mean, let's jump right into it right off the bat. You got an AEW tag team title match. You have Adam Page and Kenny Omega taking on QT Marshall. And Dustin Rhodes, of course, accompanied by Brandy. We talked a little bit off air. I don't know why Brandy needs to 
be on TV every single week. But I guess this is where we're at, right? More importantly than Brandy being on TV every week, we started the episode of Dynamite with a main event, which was a bit of a head scratcher to me. Uh, at mm-hmm. the top of the broadcast, Tony Schiavone tells us we've got a double main event. And I'm thinking, okay, what are our last two matches going to be? Hangman and the Natural Nightmares are already at the ring, so clearly they are not uh, the uh, the main event of the evening. And uh, I, I don't know. Do you think that you can have a double main event where in which one of your main events is the first match on the card? It's a it's a little unorthodox. I'll give you that. I, I I can see where they're coming from, though. You know, kind of bookending the show on two big matches. You know, because you have this one, obviously, and then you have the main event, and both of them have repercussions going into Fighter Fest because the winner of both of those matches will be facing each other at Fighter Fest for the AEW Tag Team Championships. But uh, but but I I can see your point, though. I mean, if it's a double main event. Usually it's towards the end of the show, um, but but this one here it, it opens up here, and uh, I mean I think, for the most. I think part, if there's anything, I think if there's a, I think if there's a show to or a match to kick off the show, it would be this one um, versus any of the other matches. I don't think any of them quite have. Um, I suppose the Bucks could have could have opened the show uh, with their match with um, uh, oh who, uh, Super Bad Squad. Yeah, super bad squad. This is uh, Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc, and and we're gonna t- we're gonna touch on that match those a little bit later. Swapped, but those could have swapped on the card, and I would have been happy. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that one. Um, but but this match here uh, to kind of start off, it was a lot of nice uh, tag team action. Which, if you've listened to the show at all, you know my biggest gripe with AEW is their friggin' tag team division and how they don't follow the rules. But this match, it seems like. In recent weeks, they have definitely been kind of tightening that up a little bit, making sure they're enforcing the tag team rules. Uh, when you bring in a team like FTR, you know, uh, one of the better tag teams in wrestling, you're not going to have them wrestle these Lucha Brother style tag team matches where nobody's tagging in, you know, it's just this back and forth kind of thing. You're not going to have that when you have main event level tag teams. And that's one thing I got to say, AEW does really right is they put such an emphasis on the tag team division that I think that it's a lost art. And I feel like they have really done what they can to, uh, to kind of make that, to make tag team wrestling a focal point in their show. Would you agree with that, Jay? Yeah. They've, they've, they've got a really deep division, almost too deep. Even you've got Janela and Sonny kiss teaming up now. Uh, super bad squad. Looks like they're going to be a long haul thing. Um, I wonder if the tag team division is maybe oversaturated. I mean, I don't think that, I don't think that's something you can kind of think about and be like, well, you know, is there too many tag teams, you know, I guess it's all subjective. You know, I grew up, I mean, obviously, Jay, we grew up uh, in the early, you know, 2000s and things like that were tag teams. You know, you had the Dudley Boys and the Acolytes and things like that, tag teams that were, like, really awesome. And I think it's kind of a cool resurgence, but I, I think you may also be right where you can have too many tag teams because 
that's one of my biggest pet peeves about wrestling, especially nowadays, is when you just have two singles wrestlers thrown together. Unless it's Austin and Triple H and the two-man power trip and all that stuff. Like, that's cool. That That's telling a story. Just throwing two people together like Janela and Sonny, Sonny Kiss, um, you really run the risk of just oversaturating the tag team division. And I can kind of see both ends of it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, definitely. So, but, uh, I mean, there was some nice back and forth action here. Um, Dustin Rhodes hits a Canadian destroyer, which I am just, I'm so sick of that move. I don't know about anybody else. I remember the first time I saw Petey Williams do that move. I thought it was unbelievable. Now it just seems like everybody in AEW does the Canadian destroyer. I mean, am I, am I crazy in thinking that? I don't think you're crazy in thinking that here's what really, do you want to know what grinds my gears? About What's the that, natural Jay? nightmares. What's that? I am so sick and tired of seeing Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall try too hard to do like new, younger, uh, like to watch QT Marshall do a back handspring elbow. It just feels way unnecessary. Like <laughs> it feels like somebody's like failing to stay in his lane. He's trying to, hey man, he's trying to keep up with the times. You got to give him some credit. You know, we're getting a little bit up there in age, so you know how it feels. I appreciate that. I like, you have to keep reinventing yourself in the professional wrestling game in order to stay relevant. But Chris Jericho is still hitting the lion salt 20 years later, and it's still just as cool to me now as it was then. So, and like, there, there are spots that Dustin Rhodes has, like his little... Uh, like the like the power slam. He has the most explosive power slam in all of professional wrestling. You've heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> the drop to the knee, slap across the face. That one never gets old. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish he'd bring back Shattered Dreams, if I could be honest. Yeah, um, maybe if we're being straight up honest here, old gold dust style. But but uh, yeah, no, like I, I'm like I'm noticing a trend uh, with certain tag teams. For example, Private Party. Anytime Private Party's in a match, it's going to be a high spot fest. Anytime natural nightmares are in a match, they're going to try to go over the top and try to match these young guys uh, when that is clearly not their game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, at, at in the end, though, uh, Paige and Omega retain. Uh, they hit that, like, that double team buckshot lariat and uh, the, the knee in the back. And so um, th- that's th- the outcome of the match isn't surprising. The match goes about 13 minutes another gripe that I guess I would have with AEW is I feel like some of their matches just go way too long. Like, Mm -hmm. like I feel like they have like a rule where it's gotta be like 15 minutes or, you know, and I get, you're trying to tell a story and you don't want to send people out there and have a six or seven minute match. I understand that. But at the same time, sometimes it's just nice to have a nice, crisp, quick 10 minute match and get out of there, you know, and you can put, you know, so, I mean, but Omega and Paige here, Winning here isn't uh, surprising to me. Anyone that has listened to previous episodes knows that uh, I think the best friends are going to dethrone them. Not to have a spoiler for the end of the show, but uh, I think the best friends will be the team that kind of dethrones Omega and Paige, and then that'll start their um, butting heads. And I think that might start at Fighter Fest. Do you think that might be too early to start the Paige-Omega kind of head-to-head? I hope that they save the page Omega split until they're fans in the arena so that we can yeah. have that real pop. Yeah. Um, I, I think Adam page is a real, I think he's a star. 
I think if there's two guys to keep your eyes on in, in AEW, it's got to be Adam Page and MJF. Those two are going to have collision courses as this company grows that are just going to be of epic proportions that stuff that we haven't seen in years, you know, just real great storytelling and things like that. I think page has money written all over him. I was going to say I'd buy that pay-per-view and then I realized that I buy all of them. So absolutely. Uh huh. Well, I mean, when you're, when you're such a hot, when you're held in high esteem, like we are here oh, at one with yeah. the undercard, I mean, we get, we just get all the stuff just given to us. Correct. Jay. Uh, you know, AEW, please send us pay-per-view money. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, that $50, man, it could be, uh, yeah, could be used for, you know, uh, yep. So we go into the end of the match here. Um, obviously, uh, an- another thing about the nightmares that's kind of weird is, is the fact that Allie is, is very close to QT Marshall. Yeah. That came and, out of um, nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. She just seems like she just dropped the bunny gimmick, but, um, we were talking a little bit off air. You were talking, um, Maybe there might be something brewing between them and the Butcher and the Blade where there's some kind of double cross coming up or or something. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how that goes. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how um, they take that to the next level. What the Could you see the natural nightmares against the Butcher and the Blade with Allie kind of playing uh, both teams against each other? That could be fun. Um, you know what I'm seeing more is a Cody MJF type situation where everybody knows that uh, QT is going to get double crossed except for QT. Yeah. Cause there's, there's one thing in wrestling, especially nowadays is the baby faces are complete dumbasses and they don't know what's going on. So the fact that um, the fact that you would even bring that up uh, is a great point And one that um, I think I completely agree with. So, I mean, we'll see kind of how the, how the, program kind of progresses but i feel like that's kind of where it's heading um as well so yeah uh yeah and then we have anna j against abandon abaddon and, uh, abaddon is it is it abaddon i think, I it's, it was I think it's i think it's abaddon i don't know man. either way uh man. this match was actually a pleasant surprise i was i'm not gonna lie to you lance i was reading a book for a majority of this match because i genuinely didn't care uh, Jay, this match was under one minute. I know. I read a book for a majority of it. Uh, and then all of a sudden I heard one, two, three and, uh, realized oh, that on. Abaddon was on the winning end of this here. Hold and on, hold on, hold on. Let me stop you there. Please. You were reading a book for a minute. Well, I read sometimes for a minute. Did you I even was... get the page done? I did. All right. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm an Abaddon. academic Lance. <laughs> Abaddon so uh, no sold a lot of Anna Jay's offense, and then picks up the win after hitting a uh, running Hurricane Rana, which actually looked pretty sweet. Um, and then it was announced after the match that she is the uh, newest member of the All Elite Wrestling Women's Division, which I don't think is a bad thing because she's got kind of a cool gimmick going on. So it'll be interesting to kind of see how they play. Uh, with her as well, as long as they don't drop her like they did the Nightmare Collective or whatever it was. You remember that? Yeah, stay tuned. But I mean, what I appreciated about this is like all week they were or like all all of the build for this match was Anna Jay in action. I'm like, literally who? Uh, I don't. I think she's been on Dark once or twice, or I think she was on maybe Dynamite. I don't remember. She's like super un. She's she's super 
forgettable. And uh, so I was like, I, I don't know who this is and why they're mm-hmm. like super excited to build her. They have this vignette where she like tells, she talks about her life briefly. And she's like, there's no way that she's not going to beat this weird uh, creature doll looking thing. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm halfway through the page and uh, Abaddon picks up the victory. Yeah. Loved it. Honestly. (laughs) I honestly loved the Abaddon squash match. So, uh, but after that, um, the dark order actually comes down to the ring. Um, and it looks like they recruit Anna J looks like, uh, she's going to be a part of the dark order. Um, they, you know, they kind of tease a little bit here and there. Colt Cabana's out there, obviously Brody Lee, uh, evil Luno and, and the whole group. Uh, how do you feel about Anna J kind of being part of, of the Dark Order and them finally kind of having a woman wrestler among their ranks. Tired of losing? Join the Dark Order. Yeah, I mean, that's it's almost like NWO 2000. Remember that? Yeah. Or the B team. The NWO B team it was like Vincent, Stevie Ray, the Disciple. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> kind of like that, man. Like, it was just like, look, I just don't think the Dark Order, like, if we're going to talk about the Dark Order for a second, um, I don't think they'll recover. I don't think they'll ever recover from that lackluster attack they had on the elite. Do you remember that a few months ago when they had that just, and it was just deathly silent in that building. How can I forget? I don't think that gimmick. I don't think that gimmick after that it's dead. And I, I don't, don't think that, that they did the dark order any favors after having Brody Lee lose to John Moxley either. No. And that's, like, like to me, uh, the the exalted one in the Dark Order had to be somebody with some, you know, I I would have made it Matt Hardy personally. I would have made Matt Hardy the exalted one because that gimmick would have went over with the Dark Order. Would would you know, kind of been a little bit. Brody Lee is he's a good wrestler, solid, but like, do I take him seriously as like? wow, this guy's got a lot of name recognition. I didn't even know. I'm not going to lie to you, Jay. I never do on this show. But no. Let me tell you, when somebody told me Brody Lee was coming to AEW, I said, who? And I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. Who is Brody Lee? They had to tell me it was Luke Harper. And I was like, wow. I mean, I really hope he's not the exalted one in the Dark Order. And looky there. Once again, to be I, underwhelmed. Absolutely. So uh, after that, though, we get our favorite part of the, every show, I feel like. MJF, MJF and his ballet come out ab- against uh, Billy Gunn. Absolutely. And can I just ask you this real quick? How good does Billy Gunn look for being 56 years old? He's 56 years old? He's 56 years old. He looks the same way he did in the 90s. That's what I'm saying, man. Like, I remember him and Road Dog were always one of my favorite tag teams, and uh, – they were always impossible to beat on WrestleMania 2000 on the N64. Uh, anyone wants to at me at Collective Heel on Twitter and prove me wrong, uh, you're just a liar. So, but uh, MJF and, and Billy Gunn have a, a pretty competitive match here. You know, kind of, and it's the kind of match that I want to see in more of an AEW. A quick to the point, ten minutes. You know, kind of in and out, going back and forth. Billy hits. You know all the usual stuff, the tilt a world slam, uh, you know, hits, hits some good offense, but MJF, uh, eventually comes out on top with the, uh, with the ring, you know, punch. And that's a classic heel move. Don't you think Jay? Oh my gosh. Everything about it was classic. Like absolutely. the way he dismantles, uh, Billy Gunn's leg absolutely grounds him. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
like there was fun. There were fun elements of the match where MJF walks out. He says, I'm not getting punched by Billy Gunn again. And all of a sudden you just see Billy Gunn carrying him out down the entry ramp, uh, like a little baby. Mm -hmm. Uh, it was just, the whole match was entertaining. It was quick. It was to the point. Uh, unfortunately it continues to make Wardlow look like his valet. Yep. Uh, it's, it's very Batista triple H ish. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's really what you can, that's really what you can compare it to. I mean, obviously when the split comes, when Wardlow eventually turns on MJF, that's going to be a big deal. But again, like you were saying with the Omega page split, I think there should be fans in the building because I think that's going to make Wardlow a star. I think Wardlow's a star. I do. I think that he can be a formidable, a formidable um, heel, a giant heel champion that nobody can beat. You can make him indestructible, and I think it's believable. He's an actual monster. Absolutely, he is. I mean, again, you know, look at the the one of the first matches he had. Actually, the first match he had was with Cody in that cage, and he was very. You know, he was very formidable. He did well, you know. Yeah. So I think the sky's the limit for that guy. But uh, where do you think the MJF Billy Gunn stuff is kind of going? Like, do you have a feeling of where it might be heading or is this just kind of a one off? I think it's a one off because at the end, like you've got uh, MJF and Jungle Boy chirping at each other throughout the match uh, with uh, Jungle Boy at ringside. And then we've got uh, Wardlow and uh, Luchasaurus in a uh, in a lumberjack match next week on dynamite. Well, that that should be fun, right? Yeah, I'm oh, I'm excited about that. I think it's the <laughs> only match I'm aware of that's happening next week, so it's the one I'm most excited about at this moment. Well, I got a, I got a list of them, so we'll get into that, but Great. uh but yeah, Jericho and Guevara aka the Les Sex Gods are interviewed backstage with Alex Marvez is where and he is exactly where he needs to be. I think Alex Marvez is the worst wrestling announcer I've ever heard. Um, <laughs> and so his backstage role is very, uh, very f- fitting for him. I suppose you would say, um, but like obviously Cole in like the, uh, early two thousands. Oh 90s. man. When he had that goatee, he had the goatee and the frosted tips, bro. The oh. frosted tips. That's what I'm talking about, man. Michael Cole really knew how to, to hold it down. But uh, Jericho, yeah, the coach. Um, Jericho kind of goes in on Orange Cassidy. For those who don't know, they will be facing off at Fighter Fest. Uh, Jericho and Cassidy, which I think is Thank has God. the potential. It has the potential to be kind of cool. Um, last week, Jericho took <laughs> Jericho hit Orange Cassidy with a with a sack of oranges and you either think it was the coolest thing ever or just absolutely ridiculous. Jay, for those who didn't li- listen last week, where did you fall in that argument? It was way corny. Yeah. Uh, it was pretty. Corny. I don't remember what I said last week, but I'll remember right now that I'm going to go on record and say that it was corny. <laughs> it was corny. And, and I got, I got to concur with that, but, uh, but yeah, so I mean, Orange Cassidy, Chris Jericho, Fighter Fest should be an interesting matchup to say the least. You know what uh, I'm saying? After that, we have a Britt Baker promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Britt Baker continuing to be strong on the mic. Absolutely, and she's really her stock has really went up since she got hurt. Maybe, and I hate to say this, maybe getting hurt was one of the best things that's ever happened to her because man, she's she's an excellent promo now. She yeah. brings up WCW, Chris Jericho. You know, she complains like a this. this heel you want to see her get her ass beat all the time and she that's puts, what heals uh, Shivani and uh she puts Shivani in a friendship timeout later in the episode that was yeah funny. like it's just like I mean where was this Britt Baker 
where was this six months ago? Yeah. Where was this Britt Baker right here? Because I got to tell you what, you have this Britt Baker. She's the face of your women's division. This yeah. Britt Baker is the face of your women's division. Not Hikaru Shida, not Nyla Rose, none of them. Britt Baker is is so just so far ahead of them right now just by cutting these promos. I mean, they're just unbelievable. Yeah. I yeah. I'm hopeful that once she once she gets back on TV or once she gets back in the ring that she'll pick up a considerable about a considerable amount of heat, uh, maybe leading with a, a feud with Big Swole at Fighter Fest. Not um, Fighter Fest. That'd be all out. All out. Fighter okay, Fest. Okay, that's right. Week. She's uh, she's coming. That's right. That's right. She's uh, she's not back for Fighter Fest. She's back for All Out. Thank you. Yeah, All Out. Yeah, All Out will be uh, at I think it's the beginning of September. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's like a September 5th or something. I think she should be clear by then. Obviously, they're building up to her and Big Swole. That'll be a good match. I mean, I don't think Big Swole like blows me away or anything, but I think she's she's formidable. You know, she's somebody that to feed to to Britt Baker to kind of get her back into the audience's kind of crawl and be like, you know, she's a real player in the women's division. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from there. Uh, next on the show, Cody uh, obviously does the open challenge with the TNT title. Um, he, he mentions that last week when he got beat up by Jake Hager, uh, he didn't have any help from any of the elite, which was interesting, you know, because he then he starts questioning, am I in the elite? Am I in the nightmare family? You know, but but Arn kind of tells him that that he knows he can beat Hager and that the timing just didn't feel right. So, I mean, it, it's kind of, you know, the typical Cody promo. Where do you fall, Jay, on Cody Rhodes as, you know, and I know he doesn't like to be Cody Rhodes, but I think he will go back to that eventually. But where do you fall on Cody as kind of being uh, a performer really carrying the brand the last couple of months? I mean, would you agree with that assessment that that he has really been the the lifeblood of of just every episode of Dynamite in the last couple of months. I think he's the right guy to put the TNT championship on. Yeah, um, I do too. I don't I know if he's I don't know if he's my favorite on the, on the roster. I don't know if his matches uh consistently blow me away. He's a great performer. He does really well in the ring. All of his matches are consistent. Uh even his match w- uh at uh oh at double or nothing who uh it was super underwhelming match. Lance Archer. Um, yes, thank you. Even like he even carried his match with Lance Archer. So I think Cody's the right guy to have the title on. Uh, I really hope Hager doesn't take the title off of him. No, uh, I think it'd be too soon. Yeah, I, I really do. I think it would be, you need to give Cody a nice long run, especially if you're comparing the TNT title with the AEW world title, just because, um, those titles are going to be on the same plane and, and John Moxley. I mean, there's only been two AEW champions uh, in a year, basically there's only been two. So I can kind of see what they're doing. They're kind of going that old school mentality where uh, title holders have a little bit of a longer run, which is okay. You know that I'm all right with that. Like that's kind of the way it should be. So, uh, but then a uh, surprise, absolute Ricky Starks comes out. How uh, were you, were you impressed with Ricky Starks uh, coming out here? I know you probably didn't know much about him, but uh, how did you feel when he made his debut here? Uh, mildly annoyed. Mildly annoyed. I, like debut him, build him up, give him a title shot. I don't know if I like this uh, 
anybody who's not from uh, it, it, people from outside the promotion can come in and just get title shots by showing up. I it, it's it, if you want to make the TNT Championship important, def- have an open challenge, but defend it against people who maybe have earned it. Yeah, absolutely. Like guys that, you know, uh, the jungle boys of the world. I know he already faced him. He faced Mark Quinn last week, but there's just a slew of guys on the roster that you could have Cody face that necessarily, I understand why they gave him the shot here though. You this know, guy's not put, even an enhancement talent on dark. What? Yeah. I'm not saying that he's not worthy of a shot. I'm not saying that he's like, I'm not comparing him to enhancement talent. I'm saying I've never seen his face on AEW programming before. And I don't know if he deserves a shot. Okay. Because I mean, I, hey, I don't know that. Yeah. He's a former NWA champion. Great. But I don't, I don't know who the guy is. So why am I the non NWA fan and huge AEW fan? Uh, why, why do I care about this guy? No, I, I, I get it. Um, they, they, they have a nice back and forth match. You know, Cody hits a suicide dive, which was kind of nice. You know, and they, they, they really go back and forth. Uh, Starks hits a nice tornado DDT, grabs a two count. Um, just throughout, you know, did I think Cody was going to lose the match? No. no, but, but Ricky Starks here kind of had a good first showing. I think, uh, playing devil's advocate to you, Jay. Um, I feel like somebody coming off the street kind of like this, that a lot of people maybe aren't accustomed to is a nice way to get him over, you know, cause he has a nice showing against Cody. You know, that's that, that may be the way to introduce a character and kind of be like, all right, well, this guy is going to be one of our stars, you know, coming up and we're going to put him right into the fire with Cody. I understand the shock value of bringing in people from the outside to face Cody because look, Cody is the kind of guy I hated. I hated his run when he was with like Ted DiBiase and stuff, but Cody's really been growing on me. And if you're going to put a new guy with anybody, you're going to put him with Cody, correct? Yeah, I think so. And I, I see your point and I see where you're coming from. And I think that, I think that Ricky Starks did do a really good job in the ring. He was yeah. really impressive. Uh, yeah. I just didn't have a single reason to care. No, no, I, and I and I get it. Um, and and this is another gripe. Can anybody take the crossroads correctly? Like I'm, I'm dead serious. Like he's been giving it to a lot of guys lately that are a little bit smaller. Like Jungle Boy fell on his head. Mark Quinn fell on his head. Like it's just like just lay out, man. I know it's easy for me to say. You know, I'm just some dude, but like, I think you would just lay out like it would be a diamond cutter or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, you would think, but it just seems like everybody's having trouble taking that move. I just don't want them to hurt anybody, you know, cause that move is relatively safe. I just don't want anybody to get hurt. You know, well, it's no drill claw. Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, and then after, after the show, um, much to your chagrin, Jay, uh, AEW announced that they have signed Ricky Starks to a contract. So, I, listen, hear me out. I didn't say that I didn't want the guy as a part of AEW. <laughs> I'm just saying that I don't know who this guy is. So why is he why is he coming on to my television set uh, to challenge for the AEW title or to challenge for the TNT championship, which is equal to the AEW title uh, yeah. when he hasn't earned it? Absolutely. Hey, I get it. I really do. But uh, see, if I can go on a soapbox real quick here. I would like to, I would like to say something that, uh, I think is, uh, it's pretty important here. 
And that is that I think Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian are a just a terrible tag team. I hate I don't like Jimmy Havoc. I okay, I don't hate the guy. I think he's he's all right. Kip Sabian is just a diet Finn Balor. That's what I think Kip Sabian is. I think he looks like Finn Balor. I think his gear looks like Finn Balor. I think that, I don't know. I just can't get that comparison out of my head. And the reason that I made that segue is because they are actually in the next match against the Young Bucks, which is the match that you alluded to uh, could have probably been at the start of the show. Um, but but they are here um, kind of right before the main event, you know, to get people kind of warmed up. Let me ask you this before we get into the match, because you talk about Kip Sabian as a, as a diet Finn Balor. Uh, What do you think about him as a star in the future? Because he's, (laughs) he's one of the, he's a young talent, uh, but he's, but he's not right now. We talk a lot on the show. We talk a lot about uh, some future stars like MJF, uh, really, who MJF already is a star, but we're talking about being pushed to the moon, uh, being pushed to the moon. MJF, uh, Sammy Guevara, and uh, um, Jungle Boy as like the future stars, future big stars of the company. Do you yeah. think that Kip Sabian uh, gets lost in the shuffle, or do you think he makes his way to the top of the pack? Well, I think it's a, I think it's a question answered by asking you this one. Do you think Kip Sabian has as much charisma as an MJF, as a Jungle Boy, to separate himself from the pack? As much because charisma I don't. as MJF? No. No. I don't even think he has as much as Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy's going to be a star. Darby Allen is going to be a star. These smaller guys, you know, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, MJF, um, you know, just these these smaller but just great technicians in the ring, and then they just they just have this aura about him. And I don't know if I feel that with Kip Sabian, you may disagree with me, but I just, I, to be completely honest, if we're shooting from the hip here, I think Penelope Ford is the best part of that pairing. I'm not going to fight you on that, but I'm also going to tell you that six weeks ago, we were talking about how lackluster Britt Baker was. You and I were talking about this offline before we even had a show. We're talking about how lackluster, Britt Baker was. And now we're talking about the fact that she's a certified star because she figured out how to use the microphone. You're right. You're, you're absolutely right. Does Kip Sabian have that same thing though? I don't know. I mean, Six that's weeks ago, I didn't think Britt Baker had it. That's so. very true. You know, that's a, it's a valid comparison. It really is. If you think about it, you know, this could be one of those things or maybe we just haven't seen it yet. Maybe he just hasn't been, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe it's just hasn't, uh, Hasn't been there yet, but uh, yeah. yeah, but it's uh, Havoc and Sabian with Penelope Ford against the Young Bucks. Uh, obviously, the Butcher and the Blade after last week and FTR and them and the Young Bucks, uh, they're at ringside talking all kinds of trash. Um, there's some, again, another nice back and forth tag team match. Um, FTR kind of, th- they came out to ringside and I think that that, I'm telling you, that match is going to be money when it happens, FTR and the Young Bucks. Um, but, I mean... I can't wait. It's it's going to be something else. It really is. Um, one of the biggest gripes... So, I didn't see a lot of Young Bucks matches before AEW. I mean, full disclosure. I didn't see Same. a lot of what they got going on. Um, one thing that, that I really don't like about the Young Bucks, and I say this as a complete fan of AEW and loving everything that they've done, with the company in an executive role. 
With that being said, I cannot stand how their matches seem like a ballet routine. I hate it. <laughs> I I think their matches feel too choreographed. Like they they are the biggest culprits of like waiting for somebody to do the move. They are the biggest they are the biggest culprits of that. And I say that with them being in what I would consider probably one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen at Revolution against Page and Omega. I think it was one of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. It was great. But, but the Young Bucks hey, don't right. have that match every time out. They don't yeah. have that match, you know? And and I get it. You know, you can't always but they are definitely the Young Bucks represent to me what wrestling is today compared to what FTR represents what wrestling used to be. And I think that's the coolest dynamic of the match. Yeah. Because no, the young bucks are spot fiends. You nailed it there. I mean, that's, I mean, look, I mean, they're doing all kinds of stuff. You know, they, they do the destroyers and they do the double power drivers and they do all this stuff. And it's, it's cool to like watch, but I feel like I'm exhausted after watching a young bucks match. Cause it's just spot after spot after spot after spot. And it's like, dude, like take a breather. And it you doesn't know? end either. They, they don't have, they don't have the quick matches. Yeah, they you're have, right. They and have the 12, 15 minute match. And, and I don't know. So like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't mean to be so harsh on the young bucks. Cause I think that they are, I think they're a formidable tag team. And I don't think that, I think people give them a, a hard time a lot of the time, but I mean, I'm fans of the tag team. I mean, if we're being straight up honest, like I'm a fan, I'm a fan. It's just hard for me to kind of be invested. Like I am in other matches because of how quick, how quick the pace is and everything. I, I just don't know if I like it or not. You know what I'm saying? No locomotion, Northern Lights suplexes for for Lance. <laughs> but uh, I mean, Matt Matt hits a double Northern Lights suplex, which was kind of cool towards the end of the match. Um, they hit a super kick, which I mean, come on, their whole gimmick is the super kick party. Um, it's if you want to cool. hear, I mean, it's <laughs> look. I'm a Shawn Michaels homer. Uh, Sweet Chin Music had always been my favorite finisher, and now it is so overused that I just can't. I don't know. I just can't. Uh, it'll be interesting, but uh, it feels like it can't be a finisher anymore because it's everybody. It's in everybody's arsenal. Everybody's, yeah. So um, they they kind of put Havoc into Sabian's arms and kicked Sabian into a tombstone on Havoc, which is the we- it was weird. It that was, was a fun. Weird move. I thought it, it was, was fun. That was a fun. And then obviously they hit the double super kick to pick up the win after 15 minutes. So um, I thought that spot was kind of weird, especially right at the end. I thought that was kind of a weird place to put that. Um, But I mean, look, the Young Bucks winning. And I said this last week. I don't think the Young Bucks or FTR should suffer a loss until they face each other at all out. No, I think that they I think it'll be the Young Bucks and the Butcher and the Blade at Fighter Fest. I think that that's what they're building towards. And um, so it'll be interesting to kind of see how that goes, um, because the Butcher and the Blade are a way different tag team than that. They're not going to be spot fest. You know, Andy Williams, our boy, you know, (laughs) uh, he's not exactly a high flyer. So. Um, He's not, although he did go for a ride on the uh, Goodnight Express again. And again, the Goodnight Express just failed to live up to its potential because they're lifting up the butcher. Oh, man. Just do it on the blade, man. Just do it on the blade. (laughs) I think think what happened is they were like, listen, last week we didn't get all of it. This week we're getting all of it. And then they go back to the locker room after like, well, crap, we didn't get all of it. We didn't didn't get all of it. We weren't even close. But uh 
Next, we have a, the Brian Cage, John Moxley promos going back and forth. I don't know how many times I can see this promo. Jay, we know you are not a big fan of Brian Cage or his facial hair, correct? Imagine if Brock Lesnar was not as talented and a little smaller. Uh, and then Taz doing the promo thing works out really well for Taz. Again, uh, they let Brian Cage talk for a little bit. Keep the microphone out of Brian Cage's reach. <laughs> just keep it only in Taz's hands. Like, I, here's what I really want to see is I want to see him like start to talk and then Taz be like, no, 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 no. It's okay. You don't do that. Uh, here, <laughs> let me do this for you. And, and then afterwards, maybe Taz like bends down and ties his shoes or something. Yeah, uh, so. <laughs> like it, I, Ryan Cage just feels utterly helpless outside of the ring. <laughs> I, um, do you think there's any chance there's a title switch at fighter fest? No, no, I don't think so either. Brian Cage, if come there on. Is, I'm going to be cannot. so pissed. You cannot, you cannot put the title on this guy already. No. Like you just can't do it, man. Like it's just not, I would not be a fan of that move at all. I think the next title, I think Moxley does lose it. And I think he does lose it at all out, but it'll be interesting to see kind of who he would, uh, you know, lose it to who the next challenger is. Maybe it's MJF. Do you think MJF is not ready yet? Put it on MJF. MJF <laughs> keeps talking about how they haven't given him the title. I would love, I would love to see that match. That would be a really fun match. I don't you think Moxley and MJF would be fun. I think it would be fun because Moxley's you. not going to play. Moxley's not going to play games, uh, but mm-hmm. that's, we, we don't get to talk about that match yet because it's not happening. Let's talk about what's at hand here. Uh, Brian Cage and John Moxley. Yeah, just, Fighter Fest. Yeah, just. Eh. Yeah, I think I'm it's ready a- to put my words in two weeks. Two weeks from yeah. now, we could be getting on the show, and I could be eating a lot of my words. Absolutely. Uh, so, <laughs> but I hope, I hope to God, I don't have to. Yep. Um, next week on Dynamite, we actually they ran down the matches. Uh, Jay mentioned earlier that he only knew one match next week. I actually have the whole lineup here, or the the, the announced matches so far. Look Sammy Guevara. Yeah, look at that. Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy. Uh, if Sammy wins, he gets to pick. Oh, well, actually, he gets to pick the version of Matt Hardy who wrestles in the match, regardless if he wins or not. He just so he'll win that match. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Brody Lee and Colt Cabana against Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. That's if right. Not, that's weird. Uh, Luchasaurus and Wardlow in a lumberjack match. That's the one you mentioned earlier. Very exciting. Um, and those are the matches that are those are the matches that are announced for next week. Pretty Cody underwhelming. Rhodes. Cody Rhodes versus question mark. Yeah. Versus question mark. But uh, obviously, and then um, we get another Britt Baker promo, which I thought was, you know, fantastic. Like, look, I'm not going to sing her praises all night, but look, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, I, I would, but uh, look, I mean, we only got so much time in the show, so I don't want to, I don't want to really harp on this too much, but Britt Baker for me, it's a win. It's a W all around. What do you think? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. Then we come to the main event, uh, the second main event of the quote-unquote double main event. The actual best main friends, event. The actual main event. Best friends, Les Sex Gods, Chris Jericho, and Sammy Guevara. The winner will go on to face Omega and Paige at Fighter Fest for the AEW Tag Team titles. Uh, Chris Jericho remains um, one of the top wrestlers in the world right now for his age and how long he's been in the business. Absolutely. I think he's, I, I don't think he's at his peak. I think his peak is kind of behind him, but I think the, the work he's doing with AEW, if they, for whatever reason 
are the most successful wrestling promotion in the world. I think Chris Jericho is to thank for that Absolutely. For, all, for a lot of their success because is he a WWE guy? Yes. But I think he almost transcends that. I think it almost is like bigger than that, you know? So, um, and look, anyone that's listened to the show knows I'm a big Sammy Guevara guy. I really am. He I had think the, the line of the line. show. He had the best line of the show on. What uh, line on was line. that Jay? So uh, I don't remember which one of the best friends, uh, but he was up on the top rope. He gets knocked down uh, straight onto it. He, he knocks his stones on the turnbuckle and he <laughs> just exclaims, oh, not my Spanish God. <laughs> Jesus and it, it got me. It got, it got you. Huh? It popped you. It got the old me there, right? Yeah. But uh, Chuck Taylor gets some offense in, you know, hitting Jericho and, and Trent comes in. I think Trent is money, too. Um, I, I knew he was in developmental for a long time, so it's kind of cool to see Trent kind of getting uh, best friends is another team. I feel like gets crapped on a whole lot, but I think that they're good for what they're worth. Um, obviously with orange Cassidy joining the ranks with them, uh, I think that they are a formidable tag team. And I say that because they win with strong zero and beat Guevara and Jericho in 16 minutes. So, I mean, it but- doesn't get not without help from a, yeah. a sneaky little somebody. Come on now. The, the uh, cameraman dressed up, or I guess it would be Orange Cassidy dressed up as the cameraman, and he tripped Sammy Guevara into that strong zero. So, uh, And then everybody's favorite wrestler reveals himself to be Orange Cassidy, and he has kind of a showdown with uh, Chris Jericho. How do you feel about Cassidy and Jericho going into Fighter Fest? I'm excited. I yeah. loved the effort from Cassidy. It took him some effort to put on the uh, the cameraman outfit. So the whole time I was like, "All right, they're building. They're clearly building towards Jericho Orange Cassidy at Fighter Fest. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be really exciting." So I'm expecting for Orange Cassidy to come out at any moment in his little uh, uh, in his regular getup with his with his like half thumbs up. Uh, I'm expecting for I'm expecting for. Uh, for him to come out, probably get jumped by the inner circle, cause a distraction. Uh, but instead he comes dressed out as the cameraman. And I was like, wait a second. I was genuinely, mm-hmm. I was genuinely surprised. It caught me off my, it caught me off my guard. I was like, wait, did a cameraman really just, but I bought it. I, I bought it hook, line and sinker wow. because there's no way uh, based off of what we've seen from orange Cassidy, there's no way that he puts that that amount of effort into getting back to Jericho. But apparently, all it takes is to make the man bleed to really piss him off. Because there I mean, were no hands in the pockets at the end of the match. There were no hands in the pockets when he when he attacks Chris Jericho post match. He just goes straight for him, and I freaking loved it. Yeah, you know, Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. That's going to be a headlining match for one of the for anyone that know. You know, Fighter Fest is two nights this this year, July first and July eighth. So I think Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho could potentially headline one of the days. Do you think I'm kind of um, out of turn speaking something like that? I don't think you are. I, I mean, honestly, I obviously AEW loves Orange Cassidy. That's come on. Like they love this kid. So it'll Orange be interesting. To kind of super see. over and Chris Jericho is main event level talent. So mm-hmm. I think putting, I think putting Chris Jericho in the middle of the card is a miss. So I think you're right. Orange Cassidy is super over. Uh, 
uh, Le Champion, Chris Jericho is main event level, so. It'll be interesting to kind of see how it plays out and uh, as we inch closer and closer to Fighter Fest, which, of course, we will be covering here on One with the Undercard. But, uh, Jay, you know, that brings us to the end of the show this week. Do you have any parting thoughts uh, about this week's episode of Dynamite? I thought this ep- this week's episode of Dynamite was good. I I said some things that came off fairly negative throughout the night. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. But I overall, I was a fan of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that uh, they, they've had better shows, but at the same time, I think that they're doing uh, strong for, for what it is right now. Uh, obviously, it's hard with no fans, you know, but I think that they're doing the best they can. I think they're putting out a superior product to Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, if we're being completely honest. Uh, but I feel like that everybody's kind of... Uh, doing the best they can with what they got going on. So, yeah. uh, but yep, I mean, that brings us to the end of the show this week. But make sure while you're at it, go over to the Heel Turn Collective on Facebook. Check out all the shows we got going on. Uh, we post three shows every single week. We have new content. Uh, Sunday is me and Jordan Dukes. We do Word Up or Bird Up. Uh, Tuesdays, me and Shane Riley, and we do the Heel Turn Collective podcast. We talk about everything underneath the sun in a funny or non-funny way, then you can join me and Jay every single Friday here on One with the Undercard where we talk about all things AEW, uh, every single episode of Dynamite, plus every single pay-per-view that they they have that we'll cover. So you can check us out, like I said, on Heel Turn Collective on Facebook. You can check me out at Collective Heel on Twitter. Jay likes to say anonymous for reasons that we won't ever say. Right, Jay? Uh, Who? Yeah. Yeah, he, li- he lives incognito. So uh, if, if you want to hit us up, if you have ideas for the show, if you just want to tell us your thoughts on Dynamite, go right ahead. You have all of those options. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I guess we'll be here next week, Jay, right? I mean, that's yeah, kind of the absolutely. plan, right? Absolutely. Until then, uh, yeah, until then, yeah. Uh, be yeah. well, take care of each other, and uh, have a good week. Absolutely. Happy Hey, look at that, huh? Happy Pride Month. So, yep, we'll see you next week, and, uh, yep, we're out. See you guys.